Hey, Reach Church, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our midweek service with our very own Pastor Omar Lopez and Pastor Isaac Roman as they recap our series, Questions Jesus Asked. Tons of good messages in the series, and they just go over it just to remind us uh, just some key points and moments from the series. So enjoy this message. Well, we're excited tonight. And again, like I said, we're, we're looking forward to uh, what God is going to do tonight. And again, for those of you that are uh, maybe first time here tonight, this is something that we don't typically do. Um, but what we're going to do tonight is a is a sermon recap. And the reason we, we decided to do these sermon recaps is because we believe that uh, that that God really God really moves through a lot of these sermon series and these messages that, uh, that, that Pastor Omar prepares. And uh, what we don't want to do is move too quickly uh, through some of those revelations, through some of those things that God is speaking to this house. And so we want to reinforce those things. We want to kind of reemphasize those things. And so, uh, man, our, this, this sermon series, Questions, was, has been awesome. Uh, and uh, we just started our, our new in, in my head, in my head. but but the sermon series uh, questions was so powerful, and so we're not going to be able to get through all of the sermons, but we've uh, kind of selected some that we thought were 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 really really relevant, and uh, so we want to share those with you. But before I get into that, I kind of want to kind of set a pro, uh, so, some context here, and so uh, we we understand that asking questions creates relationships. H- have you noticed that uh, maybe at work? Or maybe you're in you're in a new uh, a new place, and you start to interact and engage with people, and uh, you just start asking questions, start to get to know uh, uh, other people, and, and things like that, and it starts to build a relationship. Now, I'll tell you, I'll be very honest, and uh, some of you may be shocked by this, but naturally, I'm an introvert. Okay, so if if I show up to a place and I don't know a lot of people, I'm probably going to be in the corner holding up the wall. I'm not going to ask a lot of questions. Uh, now, I, I will I will admit. In my career, I have to, to kind of flip the switch, uh, so I, I do that. I'm uh, in sales and all that kind of stuff, but uh, th- there really is an art to asking questions. And so, uh, some of those questions that, at times could be, you know, uh, uh, how are you doing? And I think that's kind of a flippant question that we ask in our culture now because we don't really necessarily care how you're doing. It's just kind of like a, a conversation starter. Is that is that okay? Am I being real tonight? Okay, all right. Um, but but one of the one of the more interesting stories, or one of the more interesting questions that you can ask someone is, you know, share your story with me. Tell tell me about yourself. And and uh, uh, we've had the privilege of having that kind of a conversation with so many here uh, that are in this house tonight. Uh, those that are even new, just getting to know your story. Where do you come from? What 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 has God done in your life? And it's really it's really telling, uh, and it's really inspiring to hear the stories. I think about our. Uh, our documentary series on our website, My Story, and you're able to hear uh, the stories of different people, really getting uh, an understanding of who they are. But I want to tell you that great leaders ask great questions, okay? Great leaders ask great questions. So if you have aspirations to be in leadership, if you have aspirations to really uh, develop personally, uh, start to consider the kinds of questions that you ask. And and, uh, really, you could tell uh, uh, how wise a person is by the questions that they ask. Now, you'll see that uh, as we go through this with Jesus. Uh, Jesus uh, Jesus asked a lot of great questions. And, um, you know, one of the the CEOs of 
Google says, uh, we run this company on questions, not answers. And he understands that in inquisition, you could really get, you could really, uh, inquisition could lead to innovation. In inquisition could lead to a better understanding. And so, uh, and so there's that. Lou Holtz said that I never learn anything from talking. I only learn things when I ask questions. And so wow. uh, maybe you're out there and maybe you're thinking, you know, I, I need to get, uh, I need to get some wisdom. Maybe, maybe you should stop talking and listening more, maybe asking questions and then allowing someone to talk and, uh, and really gain some wisdom uh, that way. Let me add something here real Yeah, quick. please. Can, if I can ask the question. Yes. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, I was just the other night, uh, I went to one of the connect groups and uh, actually two connect groups had gotten together and uh, I was able, they were eating uh, tacos, uh, what is it, media? Media. Media tacos. And uh, the ones that are, anyway, they were so good. And, uh, and they had, one of them had cheese in it. What do they call that? Queso taco? Man, queso taco is great. And uh, oh my, my wife's gosh. looking at me. Yeah, yeah, I shouldn't be eating those, but man, I couldn't resist. Anyway, uh, we were eating there, and uh, it, it was just so unique, and I won't take a lot of time here, but uh, I, I was able to sit down, and we had a number of the young adults that were there sitting there. And what's really compelling to me, or I should say just really a blessing to me, is they had a lot of good questions. Yeah. And uh, they were asking questions right. uh, about our lives, about ministry, about the church. And I just said, these, these, these uh, young people are wise. They're asking questions. Come on. They're not doing all the talking. They, they, they want to know some answers. Right. And so when you ask questions, you show how wise you are. Yeah, go that's ahead. good. That's good. That's good. Um, so, so the questions of Jesus, uh, we're going to get into this. And, and really, uh, the assumption is that Jesus was the ultimate answer man, that he had all of the answers. Now, we understand, don't, uh, don't hear something I'm not saying. We understand that, that Jesus th is the answer, okay? We understand that. But if you, if you consider really his ministry, uh, the short time that he had on earth in ministry with his disciples, uh, you'll, you'll come to find out that he was more a questioner than an answer giver. And uh, really, uh, I don't know who counted these out, but someone literally counted out uh, how many questions were asked by Jesus. And Jesus asked over 300 questions uh, uh, that were documented in his ministry, over 300 questions. And think about this. He only gave answers to three questions. Think about that. He asked 300 questions, but he only gave answers to three and uh, this is a man that is that that has some wisdom, and uh, and so if you really kind of do the math there, it's a three to one kind of uh, kind of thing here, where uh, the the questions that are coming, and so uh, uh, so Jesus really understood the power of inquisition, and really understood the power. It wasn't necessarily uh, the question uh, to to gain understanding, but really uh, what we would call sometimes a rhetorical question to get you to reflect on where you're at, what's going on in your life and in your heart, and so we'll. We'll get into that, uh, but before I get into before I get into that, I want to share the story of a man that asked God a question, and uh, it goes like this. So uh, 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 the story of uh, or there's this guy and he's sizing up God in a conversation. That's never a good thing. Uh, but he asked God. He said, "How long is a million years to you?" God replied, "A million years is like a second. So then the man asked, and listen, stay with me, okay? Don't get distracted because you're going to miss it. So then the man asked, well, how much is a, is a million dollars to you? And then God replied, a million dollars is like a penny. 
So the man, uh, so, so the man grinned and said, can you spare a penny? Jesus, or God, without missing a beat, replied and said, sure, wait a second. Okay, so like this side got it. Can you guys after church tell this side of the church that, but no, that, uh, we're, we're going to get into this and I want to pray before we get into this. Uh, so why don't we just pray right now? So Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you, God, for the questions, Lord, even the Holy Spirit is asking us tonight. Where are we at? Where's our hearts at? Where's our minds at? Where's our life at? Where's our faith at? Father, I pray by your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would anoint this time. This is a holy moment. And I pray, God, for every single person, every single heart in this house, Lord, that you'd open up ears to hear and eyes to see, hearts to understand, God, your word and your revelation. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. The church of God said amen. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, turn to your neighbor and tell them you're in the right place at the right time right now all right come on give god a big praise today and so we're excited to be able to recap these series and in fact that we've gone through the series uh the last uh, four weeks and of course we're in the new series but this one was really intriguing uh because of the questions and we kind of did it spontaneously one time i was preaching and i said well, we ought to do something on questions that jesus asked and then they took up took me up on it and so we started developing uh, these messages but i believe if you go back and listen to them on our podcast uh go back on our youtube channel i i actually went and listened to myself i know it's kind of hard to believe but i did listen to it and i said hey it's not bad of us not that bad, not bad. <laughs> so, so i w- went right back through my notes and really felt like uh even though we're hearing it again sometimes you need to hear it a couple of times am i right before it finally sticks and then before you finally get a revelation. So I'm hoping as we go through this series here, we're going to go as quickly as we can uh, to as many series or many messages that we can as we recap this time. And I just want you guys to just kind of sit back, enjoy, and let the Holy Spirit minister to you. Is that all right? And this particular one is called, Why Are You Afraid? Jesus asked a question to his disciples uh, when they were in the boat. And for you that speak Spanish, ¿Por qué tienes miedo? ¿Por qué tienes miedo? You know, and uh, uh, ¿Por qué tienes temor? I guess, or whatever it is. I was, was so, going to try that, but my tongue yeah, you doesn't roll do that it. way. You can't, yeah, you, you can't. Sorry. You don't speak Spanish. Anyway, Mark chapter 4, uh, the Bible says in this particular story, and you are Puerto Rican too. I am, Mexico. yes, I'm Hispanic, yes. You got, man, you got all the Spanish in you. Anyway, <laughs> and so the, the Bible tells us the disciples, they... Uh, there's a big crowd that's been following Jesus, and they end up getting in a boat. And uh, after they get on the, in the boat, you know, because the scribes have been uh, criticizing Jesus, they've been telling him things. And so Jesus said, let's go over to the other side. And in Mark chapter 4, uh, verse 35, I'll read, just read a few verses of Scripture. It said, that day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind... They took him along just as he went in the boat. So in other words, they just kind of spontaneously said, hey, we don't have time to pack any bags. We don't have time to get any food. We got to go now. Uh, Right now we have the opportunity because the crowds were pressing in. So they got into the boat. And and the Bible says that when they get into the boat, uh, uh, a very interesting thing starts happening. The Bible says they run into a furious storm or a furious squall. And the waves begin to break over so that it, they were nearly swamped or 
water began to fill in. And, but as soon as the fierce storm came up, high waves, the Bible says, were breaking in and began to fill uh, the boat with water. So I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you felt like your life is in danger. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? You ever been with that uncle that doesn't know how to drive or that erratic driver or, or in a plane where, you know, uh, what do they call that? Uh, turbulence. Turbulence. You know no, what I'm talking about, yeah, They right? do that one. Uh, have you ever been? I've been in Kansas City where there was the panic of a tornado, you know. At that point, every man for himself, say a prayer. And, and so I, I got into, the, I got into the, the panic room first. But anyway, as we... God knows this the truth. So here it is. The Bible says they're in, they're in a panic. And the scripture, this is really funny. Verse number 38. The Bible says Jesus was in the stern of the boat, toward the back of the boat. And what was he doing? Sleeping on a cushion. Now, I'm telling you, what about the most inconvenient time that God can be sleeping on you is when you're in a boat taking on water and you're about to go down and you look back and God, Jesus, is sitting there or laying there sleeping, taking a cat nap, right? Taking a power nap. And, and the Bible says, I mean, this is the middle of a storm. This is the middle of wind blowing. Jesus is taking a hard, I mean, he's sleeping hard. Anybody ever slept hard before? You've been working, uh, you've been doing, uh, toiling all night. Some of you guys ever work night shift or you work construction. Uh, you ever done some of those things and all of a sudden, man, you get to the bed and you don't even have time to take off your clothes. You just, boom, you're out, man. You, you're sleeping hard. So Jesus is sleeping so hard that uh, they can't even, uh, he's not even woken up or he's not even awake uh, during this storm. It doesn't wake him up. And so they go over there and they move him out of his sleep. Uh, you know, the Bible says he's sleeping on a cushion. So that tells you it was intentional. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't like Jesus was nodding out. He went, I'm, I'm going to sleep, guy. Don't bother me, man. And so the Bible says he's sleeping there. And they finally wake him up in verse number 38. And the disciples woke him up and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we're drowning? How many know no one cares like God cares? No one cares like Jesus cares. And so they wake him up and they're all in panic. And the Bible says he gets up. He doesn't even respond to their questions like, don't you care? I mean, man, when you get woken up, man, you get a little irritated. So I'm sure Jesus is like, get away from me, man. And the Bible says, verse 39, he got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waters, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and was completely calm. I mean, that's the power of God. Jesus speaks the word and everything calmed down. And then the Bible said, that they said that, and he said to his disciples, why are you afraid? ¿Por qué tienes miedo? Why are you afraid? In my opinion, I think they had a right to be afraid. In my opinion, when I read the story, I think that they should have been in panic. But according to Jesus... He was trying to, I think when he was saying that, why, in other words, I've been with you this whole time. You've seen me feed the 5,000. You've seen me do the miracles. Guys, I'm in the boat with you. What's the panic? Why are you panicking? Why are you afraid? Apparently, Jesus was expecting his disciples to have a little bit more faith. Because the second thing he says, do you, do you still have no faith? Oh, you of little faith. 
And when you consider all the miracles that they had seen before they even got in the boat, I mean, there's a handful of miracles that Jesus had done. He had healed the, uh, uh, one of the captain's sons or one of his servants uh, by just speaking the word. So Jesus already did uh, a number of miracles. Uh, he had uh, set free somebody that was demon-possessed. Uh, he healed a leper. He had healed a paralyzed man. He had healed a man with a withered hand. The Bible says he even healed Peter's mother-in-law. And I told you guys before, that might have been why Peter denied him three times. No, that's not why. And so the Bible says, that's not why, guys, but I just made that up. And so the Bible says, oh, you of little faith. He says, don't you have any faith? Where's your faith at? And the Bible says, now, verse 41, they were terrified and they asked each other, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? Because he is God in the flesh. That's who this man is. They didn't even realize who Jesus was. They've been traveling with him. They've been walking with him. Sometimes you don't realize the God that you serve. Sometimes you don't realize the presence of God. Sometimes you've been serving him too long. You've gotten a little cold. You've forgotten the power and the presence of God that's operating in your life. Somebody say amen. So the Bible says, and I want you to miss this, that this, this wind or this storm came suddenly. They didn't expect it. Uh, it came severe, and they were surprised by all that was going on. And the Bible says again uh, that they were wondering. They were wondering. Their life was in panic. Their life was afraid. They were wondering, how is all of this going to work out? And I want to say to everybody here, listen to me, and I know you're not gonna, these are not words of encouragement, but can I speak some truth today? I'm going to be honest with you. This is the word from your pastor. You are either in a storm coming out of a storm or headed back into a storm that's praise chapel pastor omar's word is a encouragement for you okay but it's the truth you're either out of a storm you're either enjoying coming out of a storm you're either in a storm right now or you're about to go in one but just know this that no matter what you're going through that the presence of god is with you can you say amen and so i want to say a couple of things and i'm gonna let pastor Isaac kind of touch on it a little bit uh but the good news is that even when you're in the storm god's presence is with you see i think most believers today in fact many believers live with a fallacy they live with a false expectation that when you become a christian that you're not going to face any problems how many know that's not true that you're never going to go through a storm. How many know that's not true? Uh, that you're never going to go through a trial. You're never going to go through a battle. I'm telling you, in fact, when you become a Christian, get ready. Get prepared. You, you, you're going to get battle tested. You're gonna, you're, your heart's going to get tested. Your life's going to be tested. You're going to find out what real battles are, what real trials are. And so these believers or these disciples were in the boat. But again, the word to everyone, even though you're in the storm, his presence is with you. The Bible says it was furious. Jesus was sleeping in the boat while all this is going on. Almost like he doesn't care. But I want you to realize something. God cares more than you know. Even when you think God doesn't care, even when you think, man, the Lord's not concerned, God's concerned about you. Don't let the presence of the storm doubt the presence of God. Are you with me? Because as Christians today, you've got to fight through some of the battles and some of the storms in life sometimes because we, we get so surprised, even though there's a storm, it's not going to sink you. You're not going to go down. 
God with you. The presence of God is with you. Turn to someone and say, God with you. That's right. Amen. He is with you. So I want you to realize today that not only is he with you, but I'm here to tell you he's in my home. Not in my home address. He's in my home right here in my heart. The presence of God is with you. Hallelujah. So I'm going to let uh, Pastor Ida kind of touch on the next point. If you want to touch on this point, you can. Yeah, I want, I want to say this very clearly to you. Uh, God's promise is, isn't that the storm won't shake you. Pastor Omar just kind of said this, but I want to make this very, very clear. God's promise isn't that the storm won't shake you. God's promise is that the storm won't sink you. So uh, you, you may be out there, you may be rocking, right? You, you may, be, uh, may, be, uh, may be tilting, maybe almost falling over. But God's promise is that, uh, is that, uh, that, he w- that the storm will not sink you. And so uh, the first thing that we want to talk about is the fact that uh, when, you're in the, when you're in a storm... There is a purpose. And so oftentimes we're wondering, we're, we're, uh, uh, we're, we're kind of surprised, you know, just like in this story, it says that this storm came up as a surprise because uh, of the geography and all that kind of stuff. So this storm kind of just came out of nowhere. And how many of you have experienced that in your life where you had one of those surprise storms? How many out there? All right, yeah. And so this is, this is what the disciples were. But understand that that storm, uh, there was a purpose behind this storm. And so we know that uh, as Jesus was uh, traveling to the other side, the purpose of him traveling, the purpose of him going through the storm was to do what? Was to go and minister to someone else. And so I want to encourage you uh, t- tonight that maybe the storm that you're going through right now is 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 uh, is uh, preparing you, I'm sorry, I almost lost the word, is preparing you to minister to someone else. May, could it be that the storm that you're experiencing right now in this moment is preparing you to minister to someone else? Some of you guys are getting that. And so, uh, so James, James reminds us in James 1, uh, 2, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come or troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. How many think that James is going crazy? <laughs> for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be, will be perfected and complete, needing nothing. And so we said this, that a faith that's not been tested can't be trusted. Wow. Say that one more time for those in the back. If your faith has not been tested, your faith cannot be trusted. It's phony. It's phony. It's not real. Oh, my goodness. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so, so listen, I'll just, I'll just kind of button it up right here. Uh, before you're able to be promoted to the next level, I, I know we're, we're in graduation season, and I, I want to congratulate all of those that have graduated, promoted, uh, all of those uh, through a crazy time. Uh, God bless you guys, and we're looking forward to celebrating you. But you know this, that you can never be promoted to the next level unless you go through a test. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that in your storm, God is testing your faith. Why? Not only so you can minister, but so that he could elevate you so that he could promote you to the next level many of you are saying i want to go deeper with god i want to i want to be promoted in the things of the spirit well god is going to allow testing god is going to allow storms into your life to test your faith so that you can level up how many of you want to level up tonight and so when so when we have this idea when we have this concept we can understand what james is saying when he says to consider it a great opportunity for great joy is that not that that's kind of crazy it's kind of backwards but this is the reality of what it is 
Yeah, so the Bible said, let perseverance, there in the book of James, yes. let perseverance, pers perseverance finish its work so that you oh may mature, gosh. may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. Some of us, our maturity is going to come through your trials and battles. And I, I, let me just say this as a pastor. There's many people that desire leadership or want to make themselves the leader, but you haven't even been tested yet. Mm. And uh, the Bible said, don't let a novice in the leadership. You know why? Because they haven't been tested yet. Their faith hasn't been tested yet. Uh, again, you've got to go through the mature maturity process, the growing process, the persevering process. Can oh that person goodness. endure trials? Can that person endure the testing of his faith? Is he going to be able to get through to the other side? That's really going to be uh, what's going to mature your faith. In fact, there's a quote, and I want to say to you, the difference between where you are now and where God ultimately wants to get you or wants you to be is the storm that you have not endured yet. My goodness. Really, there's a storm that's going to get you where you need to get and be and mature. But again, it's going to take someone that's going to persevere. Persevere, I should say. Someone, it's called the school of hard knocks. How many have ever heard of that school? You got to go through some <laughs> school of hard knocks, man. And I can tell you in ministry, most of you today that are here, and I, again, I'm, I'm blessed to see all of you. You're enjoying the presence of God. But can I tell you, when we first started, there was no worship team. All right. Yours truly led worship, believe it or not. And, and not only did I lead worship, I did announcements, I did an offering, I preached, I did the whole thing. And, uh, I, you know, we did the best we could. And it was me and a guitar player, and he was half saved. So uh, we just kind of winged it. We kind of went with it. And, you know, I'll be honest, we just kind of went with it, you know. I, uh, I, I got to do what I could do, right? right. And uh, my wife was there, and we would go for it. And, you know, it was that persevering. Can, can I be honest? There were many times I wanted to quit. Many times on Monday morning, I said, that's it. I'm done. That was my last service, man. You know, see you later. I got, I got to go. And uh, God just said, I've called you. I've got a call on you. I, I'm working through your life. Even when you don't see it, he's working. Now, yeah, even when you don't feel it, he's working. Somebody say amen. And, and so I think we need to move on to the next sure. one because yeah. uh, the next one is, do you believe I can do this? And this is the great story. I don't know if you want to kind of start it off a little bit or do you want me to do that? Sure. Uh, I'll, I'll, you know, yeah. So, so do you believe I can do this? And this is the story of, uh, of, of the healing of the blind men. And, um, and so this is for those that are looking to God for a touch of healing. Okay. And so, uh, Matthew nine twenty seven through 30 is, is, uh, the story. And it says, as Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him calling out, have mercy on us. Son of David, when Jesus had gone indoors, the blind men came to him. How did they do that? Uh, they pursued. Uh, and he asked them, do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. And so here's the story of two blind men. Uh, they're following Jesus. And like I said, uh, it started on the outside and they, uh, and then he transitioned to the inside. And how did these blind men follow them? Who knows? I'll say this, that they were pursuing the presence of God. They were pursuing their healing. They were persevering through whatever it is that, that they had. And so you could say that, uh, because these men were blind, they were not able to follow the right way. They were, uh, they, they, they were, they were, uh, disabled or, 
or something like that. But these men did not allow their blindness, mm -hmm. these men did not allow the things that they don't have to be an excuse for them not to follow Jesus. Now, I, I know that there's a lot of people uh, in, uh, that... that uh, are sitting here that have your sight. You're able to see clearly, but maybe, uh, but maybe we're not able to follow God uh, the way that we're supposed to. And and maybe we could learn something here from these young men that didn't allow an excuse, didn't allow a disability, didn't allow the perfect situation. They didn't have it all together, but they didn't allow that to be an excuse to not follow Jesus. And so uh, uh, maybe I'll just let you kind of take it from there. Yeah. So these blind men are following Jesus for a miracle. Obviously, they must have heard that Jesus was the miracle worker. They must yes. have heard that Jesus was coming on the scene. And, and maybe they told someone, hey, can you direct us in what direction is he going in? And maybe their eyes wasn't working, but their mouth was, right? Oh, my goodness. Maybe their, hand, maybe their eyes weren't working, but their <laughs> hands were working, right? Their legs were working. And again, as Pastor Isaac uh, stated there, they were able to follow Jesus even though everything wasn't working. Yeah. Sometimes you got to get to where God wants you to get when everything's not working. Now, you got to use what is working. <laughs> Turn to someone and say, use what's working. Use what is working in your life right now. You got to begin to apply what is working. And so they said, you know what? Our arms could work. Our legs could work. We're going to get to the presence of God. And I, I will tell you, these guys about these men, uh, they may have been blind physically, but they weren't blind spiritually. Yeah. Uh, they knew where to get to the presence of God. And, and some of us, we're not blind uh, physically, but we're following the wrong people. The, these guys were blind <laughs> physically, but they knew how to follow. I tell you today, we need to know who to follow. Uh, don't follow what everybody else is doing. Don't follow Paco or this guy over here follow jesus can you say amen because what's going to happen this is what separates the victor from the victim yeah because we have that victor's mentality and then we have that victim mentality i talked a little bit about it on sunday the victim mentality is always making excuses they always have reasons as to why they can't get something yeah. done as to why they can't get to a certain place it's called learn helplessness oh my goodness. you've learned that somewhere something <laughs> wow. was imparted into you and now you've learned how to be helpless where you can't do things on your own and you have a lot laundry list of obstacles and excuses as to why you can't get where God wants you to get. We begin to play the blame game. When you blame, you be lame. You guys got it. And so you can't have the victim mentality. You can't have this, uh, you know what, I, I can't do it mentality because God is looking for people today that, that will use what you got and to pursue God. And I'm going to tell you today, the uh, victor's mentality is the person that says, I'm going to get to the same place where everybody else is, but I'm going to use what's working. I'm not going to worry about what's not working. Yeah. Some people are using blindness uh, again spiritual blindness uh, again could be our excuse uh, some people are using their family as an excuse some people are using the past as an excuse uh -oh. some people are using their hurt as an excuse some people are using the pandemic as an excuse but wow. god is saying i want to work through your life make it work use what you got for the kingdom of god that's good that's good so listen a victor a victor doesn't emphasize the problem, but they obsess over the solution. Now, it's really easy just to kind of throw your hands up and say, I, I can't do this. I, you know, I have all these excuses. But a victor 
doesn't emphasize the problem. They obsess over the solution. And so looking at these men, mm -hmm. they didn't allow their blindness to block their blessing. Oh, I'm going to say that say one more again, time. Say it again. They didn't allow their blindness to block their blessing. And so I want to encourage you, maybe you're here, maybe you're uh, online with us, to not allow the things that are not working to block what God is trying to do in your life. And again, we could give up quick. We could give up uh, too short. We could give up right on the brink of God's breakthrough and blessing. And just like these men, they continue to pursue. It says that they were following Jesus and crying out, have mercy on us, son of David. And so they, they were they, they were describing the deity of God. They weren't just saying, Jesus, there's this, there's this guy, uh, this good prophet or this good rabbi, but they're speaking to the deity of who he was. And I want to tell you this, they saw Jesus for who he was. He Come was on. God almighty. And so, uh, the God you see is the God you get. Now, how are you oh, seeing Jesus wow. tonight in your life? Are you seeing Jesus as a good man that helped you, that loves you and things like that? Or are you seeing Jesus as all powerful creator, able to do all things, the miracle worker that we were just talking about? Are you seeing God that way? because I'm here to tell you the God you see is the God you get. See, what happens is we have to stretch our faith. We have to get a, a deeper understanding, a bigger revelation of who God is. Uh, and so we know the story, and I'll move quickly. We know the story of Jesus going to his hometown, yeah. and he wasn't able to, the Bible says he wasn't able to perform many miracles. He did some, but he wasn't able to perform many miracles. Why is that? Because those that were there in Nazareth saw him as who he was as a carpenter's son. And again, the God you see is the God you get. Could it be that your faith is uh, your, your faith is lacking and you're not able to see God as the way maker, that you're not able to see oh, God as the one that could restore your marriage. You're not able to see God as your healer. You're not able to see God as the one that's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. We got to get a heavenly perspective. I don't want to get into our sermon series now, but we got to get our, we, we got to make a mind shift here and go. see God for who he truly is now he's able to do exceedingly oh my and goodness abundantly more than you can think okay so again what kind of god are you perceiving how you perceive it is how you receive it and again oh these guys they recognized because they cried out and said son of david yes when they were proclaiming that or making that statement they understood that jesus was in the lineage of king david which made him the Messiah, so they knew that he was the Messiah. And see, when you just see God as a carpenter, he'll fix your house. <laughs> but when you begin to see him as Christ, uh, amen, he's going to fix your life. My goodness. And so today we want Christ uh, to fix our life today, uh, not just to prepare or, or repair a table, right? right? Come uh, on. And so I believe today that God is well able. How many believe that today? Uh, that God is able to do above and a more than we can ever asked for today and i believe this today it, I, I said this quote in the message it yeah. says uh, again what we say we believe is not actually what we believe but what we believe is demonstrated by the actuality of our life you can say blah 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 okay <laughs> yada 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 you, you're just a lot of talk but what you say you believe see again what we say we believe is not what we believe but what we believe is demonstrated by the actuality of yeah. your life. Now, if you say you're a believer in Christ and you're a believer in God, then your life will speak for it. Your life will be an example. Otherwise, it's yada, yada, yada. 
right? That's all you're doing. You're just talking. It, it's a bunch of talk. And a lot of us have learned the right talk. And see, these guys were living in the state without any sight. But they had learned, see, they, they had learned to function in their dysfunction. Right. Some of us, we've learned how to live in our dysfunction. And so when they came to Jesus, they finally found Jesus. They've been crying out. Again, they were crying out like, the, like a raven, right? Like the Baltimore Ravens. Remember, I was talking about how they like to cry. But anyway, that's the football team, a bunch of Yoronis. But again, he said, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Do you believe that I'm able to do it? Uh, in other words, I know you're saying it, but do you believe it? Come on. See, a lot of us can sing that song, Waymaker. Yeah. But do you actually believe it? Do you actually believe that he's the miracle worker? And, and the Bible says that Jesus turned to them and they said, yes, Lord. Or they, they said to Jesus, yes, Lord. Then Jesus touched their eyes and he said, according to your faith, not according to your income, not according to your, uh, what people think about you, not according to your social status, not according to how much you went to church, not according to what clothes you wear, but what? According to your faith. And the Bible says it, it will be done to you. And what happened? Their sight was restored. Wow. God wants to restore our sight. God wants to restore us back to the people of God we need to become. Somebody give God praise. Yeah. So I want to I, 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 I um, make, this, make, make this contrast here. So these two men that were pursuing, they were pursuing Almighty God. They were pursuing the healer. And they were, they were pursuing out of desperation, yes, but their desperation was fully vested in faith. So they were desperate for a healing, but they were full of faith that, that Jesus was able to do what they were asking to do. Now, many of us are desperate. And I, I want to I wanna kind of uh, draw a line here between desperation and faith. Now, desperation in itself is committed to the outcome. And so many times in our lives, we become so desperate that we don't necessarily need it to be the way God wants it. We don't even necessarily need Jesus, quite honestly, if we could just get what we're desperate for. You guys follow me there? Wow. So sometimes we're more committed to the outcome and just just that, that, that it would all work out the way that I needed to work out, opposed to having faith and just trusting God to, to do whatever God needs to do uh, that, that isn't necessarily in line with your desired outcome. You guys following me there? And so what we can't do is allow the desperation of a situation, and I get it, I understand, there's real concerns in our lives. We have true desperation. Maybe it's someone that you're believing God for. Maybe it's a loved one that's addicted or, or one that, that, that's just really, really broken and we're desperate for a move of God in their life, we have to understand that we have to allow God to be God. We have to allow God to work things out and not be overcome by the outcome, but be, but be full of faith and full of trust that God is working those things out uh, the, the way that we need it. And so again, desperation is committed to the outcome that uh, so committed to the outcome that it will abandon God in exchange for what we want. And, and again, I, I understand there's, there's, uh, there's good desires out there. Maybe, uh, maybe different things that you're believing God for that you're trusting that will work out. 
Have faith in God. Allow God to do these things in, in, in your life. The last thing that I want to say uh, in this is that we have two sets of eyes, right? And so we have our physical eyes and our spiritual eyes. And in this story, the Bible is very clear that it says, and their sight was restored, which means we could conclude that they had vision at one time. And so what happened to their eyesight? Uh, some could conclude, or maybe we could assume that there was an injury that caused uh, blindness to come onto their lives. Now, I, I know in this lifetime, as we're walking through and we're experiencing things, I believe that the eyes of our heart, the eyes of faith, maybe in our lives, because of experiences or trauma, uh, have been injured. And so we're not able to see correctly anymore. We're, we're, we're now seeing through maybe a tainted lens or a broken lens. And I, I want us to understand that, uh, that the enemy will use pain to abort the destiny that God has for you and I. I'll say that one more time. The enemy will use pain or injury to abort the destiny that God has for your life. And so uh, we said that when pain hits, it mutates to a thief and robs you of your sight. Think about this. In your life, have you experienced pain that has robbed you of what God wants to do, uh, uh, being able to see clearly what God has for you? And I'm here to tell you tonight that God wants to restore your sight and heal your pain if you'd allow him. According to your faith, According to your faith, let it be done tonight. And again, it's not trying to rob you of your path. No. It's trying to rob you of your future. Yes, it is. That's right. So the enemy knows God had the That's future good. for you. Yes. So the pain is not about your past. Your pain is about your future. Right. And so a lot of us think, well, you know, uh, it's taking me on. No, no. He's trying to get you back there to rob you from what God had ahead for you. Yes. Stop looking back and start looking forward to God, all right? That's good. And so we're going to do our last one here because we're running out of time and, and we're just excited. But I think we're just going to jump to this other one that we yeah. did. The, the last one is, um, again, are you going to leave too? You remember that <laughs> message? That's probably one of the harder messages of Jesus. And in John chapter 6, this is where I, I talk about Jesus gets real. Yeah, he does. And as Pastor Phil in from Pennsylvania, for real, for real. Jesus gets for real, for real here. And a lot of us, when we think of Jesus, we think of Jesus kind of just being Mr. Nice Guy. He loves everybody and, you know, blowing kisses everyone. But that's not how it is. Jesus really got hard. And there's times where Jesus actually demanded and required more commitment. And many times when we think of Jesus, we think, well, you know, we, he just wants us to love him. And not to know Jesus is requiring your life. Yeah. And in this particular chapter, John chapter 6, we really get the heart of who Jesus is. And we get, we get to hear Jesus getting a little tough. Jesus getting a little tough on people. And again, we see the commandments here or his requirement to follow him. And I'm just going to briefly read a few verses of scripture here out of John chapter 6. Verse 60 to 68, but I'm going to read all of that. But you can go home and read it or listen to the message again. But it said, many of his disciples heard this and they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? In other words, who can accept this? It's too hard. You know, sometimes the truth is hard. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? So they were grumbling among themselves, and Jesus knew what was going on. He could hear. And then, and then he goes on to say, uh, he talks about, uh, again, he says uh, that, the, that, that uh, again, I'm going to read it down to verse, uh, down here. He said, are you also going to leave? And the Bible says that many of his disciples turned back and no longer walk with him. 
So this is one of the saddest scriptures in, in the Bible because we see these disciples and these people no longer following Jesus because the truth hurts. And he turned around and he turned to his disciples, the 12, and he said, are you also going to leave? But Simon Peter, thank God for Simon. Hallelujah. Lord, to whom shall we go? Where are we going to go, Lord? For you have the words of eternal life. The Bible said here, we get to hear a number of things that are being said in this chapter that John kind of clues us in on. And he said these were many disciples. Jesus had many disciples, not just the 12 disciples. He had the 70 disciples. The Bible says he also had many women, lots of women that followed him. Not only followed him, the Bible specifically said these women supported his ministry financially. The Bible says these women gave and they were able to give him money to support his ministry. So here is Jesus getting real and he said, are you going to leave also? We know in that chapter that Jesus does two wonderful miracles. He feeds the the feeding of the 5,000. He feeds multiple people and he also is able to walk on water. And the Bible says when he gets to the other side of of the sea... After they cross over that the people never see Jesus get in the boat because Jesus don't need a boat. He walks on water, right? And so he gets on the other side. They finally realize he's on the other side. They go over there and they said, Rabbi, where have you been? You know, how did you get here? Like they're concerned about Jesus. And I love what Jesus' answer is. He says, uh, Jesus said, verily I tell you, he said, it, it, is, it, it is not Moses who's giving you the bread. Uh, he said, uh, no, that's the place I want to read. No, he goes, verily I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. He said, do not work for the food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So Jesus said, you're looking for me because you want fish and chips, right? That's what Jesus is saying. You're looking for me because you want all that fish and bread. And he said, "But but you don't realize who it is talking to you. You don't realize that I'm the son of God. You don't realize that I've come to nourish you. And the scripture says that when Jesus said this, uh, that many of them uh, felt like, man, this is a hard saying. Uh, They they felt that the truth was getting too hard for them. Uh, And Jesus here began to shift. This is the place in his uh, time of ministry where he began to shift the tone of his message. And it gets a little harder. And this is what he said in John 6, 53. He says, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, you shall have no life in you. So they were saying, this is a hard saying. Is he talking about cannibalism? No. Don't be so silly, okay? He wasn't talking about eating my calves or my elbow. He wasn't talking about that. He was talking about how he's the nourishment for your life. That when you depend on him, he'll be your nourishment. The Bible says he was aware of their grumbling. They grumbled. Among themselves. I'm going to let Pastor Ida kind of touch a little bit here. Yeah, so, you know, one of the things that, that happens is when, uh, when, when we, we have, uh, there's, there's a certain level of arrogance and pride, and we said unchecked arrogance. And so these disciples, all these disciples, think about this. They walked with Jesus. 
These weren't, you know, fringe followers of Jesus. The Bible says they were disciples. And they walked with Jesus. They saw Jesus perform, perform many miracles. They experienced it themselves. But it was, it was this, this level of commitment that Jesus came to them and said, Hey, I need you to go just a little bit deeper. We talked about this progression that Jesus walked people through. I believe that even today in, in, in our modern church uh, culture, we see the same progression of come and see. Uh, you know, hey, just come and check it out. Come and see what's going on. Uh, you see what God is doing in my life. Why don't you come see for yourself uh, what's coming? And so Jesus told them to come and see. The next thing was, follow me. Begin to see what I'm doing and do what I do. And this is one. Of, this is that last progression where it's kind of that deny yourself, where Jesus is saying, hey, uh, we're not here for the fringe benefits of uh, of the manifestation of the presence of God. We're here for uh, for people. We're here for a purpose. What we say around here is we're here to reach more people. And so Jesus is saying this, and then all of a sudden he says something that the, that the disciples aren't on board with. How many times have you experienced that in your life where you're walking along with someone? Maybe you're in covenant relationship with someone. And they begin to say something that you're not necessarily on board with. Now, I'm not saying uh, anything that's abusive. I'm not saying that's en- that anything that is inappropriate. But something that just takes you a little bit deeper in commitment. And, uh, and oftentimes what we do is we want to pull back from that. And uh, here's the disciples are pulling back from that. And they begin to start to complain to, to each other. And I want to I, I say something to, uh, to you that are here. Maybe you're here. You're a disciple in the house. And I want to I say that uh, be careful who you complain to, okay? Be careful who, what you say and who you say it to. Uh, what happens, I've seen this oftentimes in the believer's life, in a family, is that someone hears something or someone uh, someone experiences something and they have a complaint now. And instead of going to the brother, instead of going to the leader, instead of going to the pastor, they go home and they start talking to their spouse about it. Uh, not only that, they start talking to their brothers and their sisters about it and all these different things. And you see this toxic kind of culture start to develop and it says that many of them walked away. And so what, what we said here is that, uh, see, if you're not going to talk to the person, you're going to talk about the person. And how many of you have experienced gossip and how divisive that could be in a relationship? And so we saw this here. But I want to I tell you this, that offense is really a relationship tester. See, you, you don't really know loyalty until, you've, uh, until there's been a disagreement. And so even, in, again, in these covenant relationships, Relationships that you may have with a leader or with a brother or a sister as you're walking through. And, and the Bible says that uh, as uh, that iron sharpens iron. And so as we're going and walking through this the, this this walk and we start to uh, kind of nudge each other and the sparks are starting to fly and all these different things, understand that offense is a relationship tester. And we have to we have to allow ourselves to walk through this and not be offended. The enemy will use offense to get you off course. The enemy will use offense to get you going all, all kinds of different ways. But Jesus was here to really set a standard and set an expectation in these believers. And so finally what the disciples did is the Bible says they turned away and they followed him no more. Yes. And there's probably a number of people in your life that you know that have walked away from God. And you wonder what happened to them. They seem on fire. They seem excited they seem to be walking with god well i can tell you at some point god was asking too much from them probably yeah. or yeah. it could be like what happened to these guys that they had unchecked pride and arrogance right. and that's kind of what we want to touch on we'll finish it up here just a little bit but one thing that 
it's one thing to struggle with pride, but it's another thing to struggle with unchecked pride. Yeah. And what do I mean by that? That means you assumed your interpretation is correct. That's prideful. They assumed that Jesus was talking about cannibalism. They assumed that Jesus was talking about literally eating his flesh. When Jesus was not talking about, they assumed that, you know, this commitment is too hard. And they never went back to ask Jesus for clarity. And many times people walk away from God. They'll walk away from church, assuming their interpretation of what happened is not actually what happened. But they think that. Yeah. Are you with me? We get offended. The Bible says he looked at them and goes, are you offended? Are you offended by this truth? Because you shouldn't be offended, right? Right. You shouldn't be offended because Jesus wasn't being abusive. He was being truthful. He wasn't an abusive leader. He was a truthful leader. And so not that he said something that, that was offensive. He said true. It was a hard truth. They didn't want to hear that. And they walked away because they had this unchecked pride, assuming their interpretation was correct, yeah. not going back to say, you know what? I could be wrong. Again, offense is the relationship Hester. Yeah. Can a misinterpretation of something, can you receive correction? Can you go back and say, maybe there's something here I don't understand? Is there, is there a way that you can ask questions? Again, we've been talking about asking questions. When you don't understand something, don't just assume that you know the answer and your interpretation is correct. You could be walking away deceived in your own arrogance. Yeah. Second thing they did is they had they made an unwise decision because they had been offended. They got offended, and so they made an unwise decision. Right. How many of us, when you're offended, you make stupid decisions? Am I right? Can I use that word today? You made some dumb decisions. And we think that somehow, when God does something to us, that we're never going to be offended, that it's never going to be hard. You know, Peter, man, he could have he been offended. I think he probably was offended a few times. Yes, he was. But he survived the offense. Bible said that Jesus said, get behind me, devil. I mean, who's ever been called a devil by Jesus? Get behind me, Satan. You don't favor the things of God. You favor the things of man. You're a hindrance to me. That's what Jesus told him. And yet Peter is the very one that says, you have the word. Where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life because he wasn't emotionally driven he was driven and he knew that jesus was the answer and he put his faith in god despite feeling a little hurt despite feeling a little pain he didn't let that pain and offense cause him to walk away hurt and unwise i've seen a lot of people today they walk away in pain they walk away they make unwise decisions because their lack of wisdom their lack of understanding they allow the enemy to come in and put and they leave church and they leave god because they've made an unwise decision and this last one i think i'll just let Pastor, I had to talk about the unhealthy relationships, right? Because they, they left at the group, not as an individual. Yeah, and, and what happens is uh, we call this group soup. And what happens is group when you soup. have... Yeah, like group that. soup. Yes. Wow, that's a good one. What happens, and we got to be aware of this, is, is, is understand uh, those that are around us, right? Those that are surrounding us. And so what happens is you could become, you could get caught in a echo chamber where everyone's saying the same thing. And we're all logical, smart individuals and so we look around and we say well if they're all saying the same thing this must be true uh uh the, the unfortunately 
Unfortunately, in this situation, everyone was saying the wrong thing. And there was no one with wisdom that could speak into it. So they were caught in a confirmation bias, meaning that uh, everything was being interpreted based on this group. And so sometimes the Bible says there is, uh, th there's, uh, there's protection or there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. Now, uh, I, th I think there's, there's something that we have to check there is, number one, those counselors have to be wise, okay, not, not, uh, not dodos, okay? And so think about who's surrounding you. Think about your brothers and sisters. Who, what is your support group? We have connect groups, and, and this is, we do this intentionally to surround you with people that are pursuing God, uh, with leaders that have the mind of God, not to control you. No one wants to control you. We don't have time for that. Uh, we're, we we want to help. And so surrounding yourself with the right people and not these unhealthy relationships that can move you off. We've seen this. I've been in church my entire life where, where something is misinterpreted, uh, the grumbling and complaints start happening happening wow, in different pockets then all of a sudden there's there's three or four families that leave and 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 i've i've not seen it yet okay and, and correct me if i'm wrong after this but i've not seen it yet where uh, a family you know that group has left and they've gone on to flourish uh, oftentimes you see that they've abandoned really what god wanted to do they left just a little too soon if i can insert something they can, yeah. they confirm each other's disobedience yes right yeah that's right and they feel better about doing something dumb because they did it at the bunch and so there goes dumb and dumber following them right and that's what happened because they confirmed each other's disobedience by their bias right? so good and so here's the thing we know that misery loves company and that group left jesus and they should have been the very next people that kept on leading the church they should have been that group that should have led others to christ instead they walked away from christ and the last thing and we're going we're going to close it up here is they had an unexpected distress they they didn't expect that jesus was going to ask so much and so it kind of rocked them and because of this distress it caused them to leave and i'm, I'm going to tell you something sometimes life is going to be a little distressing Sometimes everything is not going to go smooth. And you guys just know that you got to keep your faith intact. Right? We're gonna, I'm going to have a funeral for my mom on Saturday. Uh, it's been six months ago that she passed away. It's distressing. My heart is broken, but my faith is intact. Do you hear what I'm saying? And I want to say to you, maybe there's some things in your life that are distressing, some things in your life that have been disappointing. And, and again, don't get into an unchecked pride or arrogance and thinking your uh, interpretation. Don't get unhealthy relationships. Are you hearing me? Don't get in relationships that are not in line with God and not in line with God doing here. Don't get in those relationships. They're unhealthy for you. They're going to they're gonna confirm some things in your life that are not good for you. Stay in line with Jesus. I said stay in line with Jesus today. So I'm going to pray. Why don't you bow your head and close your eyes. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you tonight. We thank you for the people of God that have been so attentive today. And God, so many of them that are here, God, that you're ministering to their lives. And God, I thank you for every person that's here tonight God you know how they got here you know what's going on in their life today there's some in this room today that don't know you as Savior they've never received you in their life so I pray tonight that they're not going to leave the same way they walked in so with every head bowed and every eye closed if you're in this room before we go on 
I want to give every single person an opportunity here. If you've never received Jesus in your life, you've never asked Christ to come into your life, can I tell you something? They're the God in heaven that loves you. I don't know everyone in this building, but I can tell you they're the God in heaven that cares about you, that knows your name, knows everything about your life. If not, it's it, too coincidental to be a coincidence that you came tonight and there's some of these things that we talked about that you needed to hear. Now, I didn't know that. Pastor Isaac didn't know that, but God did. And somehow you made it here tonight. And there's some things that we shared that resonate with you that you can identify with. And you say, you know what, Pastor? That's me, man. I need God in my life. I know exactly what you're talking about. I've been in that situation. And I need the Lord in my life. If you're willing to drop the pride. If you're willing for just a few to say, you know what? I need the Lord in my life. For just a few minutes, you could say, you know what? I need God. Be honest with God. Be honest with yourself. You're in church tonight. Be honest with the Lord. Say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I need the Lord in my life tonight. Is there anyone in this room right now? You'd raise your hand. Say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I need the Lord right down here. God bless you, young lady here. Who else? Is there anyone else today in this room right now? You'd be honest with God. Over here, someone over here. God bless you back there. Thank you. Is there anybody else tonight? I, I'm not here today to embarrass anyone. I'm not here to shame you. I'm here to give you an opportunity to get right with God. I'm here to tell you that there's a God in heaven that cares about your life. And he can change your life. You'll never be able to do it by yourself. We tried. We tried to do it. We can't do it. We need God. You need God in your life. Your answer is the Lord that you're looking for, whoever you are right now. So if you haven't raised your hand, raise it up right now. Say, so that's me. A few people have already. Is there anybody else? I don't, want to, I don't want to miss an opportunity. Somebody else over here? God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Anybody else? Several. Thank you for raising your hand. Anybody else tonight? You'd raise your hand. You haven't raised it up already. Say, so that's me. That's me. I need the Lord in my life. I'm, I need God today. Raise your hand. It's okay. We're here to encourage you. We're here to tell you today that God can make a difference. Is there anyone else in this room right now? Maybe you were once serving God. Maybe at one time you were walking with God, but you're not walking with God today. You need to come home to Jesus. You need to get your life right with God. Raise your hand right now. That's me, Pastor. I need to come back. Man, I've been away from God. I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. Is there anybody else here tonight? God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Well, we want to pray for you tonight. You raise your hand. Look up at me. You mean that over here? You mean that? Back there, you mean that? God bless you. Would you come? Would you guys come? Just come right down here. We need some people to come pray with them. Somebody else back there, right here. Pray for them right here. God bless you. Anybody back there, whoever that is tonight. Why don't we stand together? You know what? We're going to open up the altar tonight. Come on. I know. I know one of these messages resonated with you. Don't, 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 don't say, well, I already heard this sermon, Pastor. Don't walk away. Don't walk away with some unchecked arrogance tonight. Say, you know what, man? I've been that guy. I've, I've been a little bit of afraid. I, you know what? I've been like these, these guys that were following Jesus from a distance. I've been one of those people today that have just kind of been... I've walked away for some things. You know, I've got some unwise, I've made some unwise decisions. 
We're going to open up this uh, particular uh, altar. I want you guys to begin to sing. And if they sing, I want you to make your way down here right now. Go ahead and sing with us, worship. And then as they sing, I want you to make your way down here uh, to the altar tonight. Come on. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.